Hello, and welcome again to the Weekly Curio. I'm your host this week, Jeff Wagg of the College of Curiosity. Tom Britton is off working on our new show, Science Alive, which is a kid's show on Saturdays at the Whip Theatre in Edison Park. But for this week, we've brought back Aubrey Henretti, and we will start with something horrific and then go further down the rabbit hole. Okay, I, I know what we're about to talk about, and I'm kind of putting it off because <laughs> I know where this is going, so we'll just let it happen. But if uh-huh. you're, we're, obviously it's a podcast, we're not going to show you anything squeamish, but if you're a type of person with a vivid imagination and uh, icky things are not your thing, you might want to end the podcast here. And if you sign off now, thank you very much for listening, and you have just missed icky stuff. We're going to say some things that you're not going to be able to unhear, is right. what you need to know. Yeah, and and you know, and then if you're super curious and not afraid of Vicky, there there's video available. But you know, oh. <laughs> so tell me what lovely bit of YouTube video you stumbled across. I did not stumble across it. Somebody sent it to me because he knows how much I hate spiders. Um, but yeah, this is about spiders. So again, uh, you've all been warned. It's a spider trigger warning. Um, so. Do you do you have a fear of spiders uh, at all? I mean, are you at all? I, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's a spider in the room, I'm not going to freak out. You know, there's an old truism that if you're afraid of spiders, you like snakes. Do you like snakes? I don't have an opinion about snakes, really. Sort of indifferent. Apparently, most people could take or leave them. Like one and hate the other. I mean, I don't know. That may not be true, but uh, I am. I would say if if I had a choice of finding a snake or a spider near me, I would choose the snake. That depends. I think that for me, that depends on context. Am I outdoors? Am I in a garden? If so, probably rather have a spider. Easy to walk away. It's not going to follow you. It doesn't. It doesn't have fangs of the same magnitude of a snake. There are um, many more deadly snakes than there are deadly spiders, especially in the north in North America. I don't. We don't actually have a deadly spider. Really, I mean, we have brown recluse and black widows, but they typically don't kill people. Not usually. Yeah, unless, you know, there's there's special circumstances. Anyway, I am clearly procrastinating. (laughs) (laughs) No, right. Okay, well, and I am too because I'm – so one of the nice things about uh, the mass surveillance that you know is going on across the country is that somewhere deep inside of NSA headquarters, there is right now, I guarantee, a bored spy compiling a supercut of me throwing objects at spiders from across the room, (laughs) just crying and pointing – spraying them with toxic chemicals they're just i do not like them (laughs) there's there's nothing again nothing rational about this but try to tell me that when there's a giant spider in my face and i will probably probably yes i do not care for any of them uh it oh no 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 (laughs) a tarantula is like a that's like that's like a spider turned up to 11. I mean, that's like, <laughs> I mean, they're so huge and they're hairy. It's like all the worst things about spiders, but big. Um, <laughs> so I don't care for them either. Okay. But anyway, this story comes from the popular, are, are we allowed to, it has a, it has a bad word in the, the title, this website. It's Go the one you know in. from, it's, oh. it's the one from Facebook that always yeah. posts all the photos. Go you ahead like. and say it and I will bleep it just to be polite and so I can keep my G rating on the podcast. Okay, and, uh, yes. Okay. The the website is called I f-ing Love Science. Uh mm-hmm. IFL Science is the URL. And for people who don't like cursing, you might enjoy the URL a little more. So there's this video. This is a 
This was uploaded by a gentleman in Australia, I believe. Of course. Uh, of course, right? It's a giant, deadly, mutant Australian spider. Like, let, I mean, the spider is not the main attraction, as you'll see in this video, but it's like the kind of spider where if you tried to smash it with a shoe, it would take the shoe away from you and start hitting <laughs> you with it. Um, so what this person does, instead of risk having his weapons taken away by a giant spider, is he sprays it with something, some sort of foamy, toxic um, stuff. So the spider dies um and and as soon as it stops moving like everything everything gets worse forever <laughs> like it's so you let me see play the stooge here so dead spider <laughs> this is good why would things right. get worse yeah you're like thank goodness the spider isn't alive anymore it's not going to jump on my face and start dancing um but actually it gets a lot worse <laughs> <laughs> so if you see if you it you can't unsee this, like I said. Uh, there's this skinny, like, little beige worm starts boring its way out of the spider, like it was inside, and you're like, that's kind of gross. But the worm is long. Um, it, it just keeps coming out. It's like, it's like in a coil on the side of the spider, still coming out of it, and it is horrifying. And it's not, uh, weirdly, I mean, it's kind of wriggling, but it's not like dead. It's not the, whatever the chemical is that felled the gigantic beast spider <laughs> did not touch the worm. Like the worm was fine. I mean, not fine, but it was still alive. Um, so this, this guy posted this video to YouTube and asked the internet to tell him what the hell it was. Uh, and it turns out, uh, the internet responded. Of course, it was on it. Um, it's probably, I'm going to maybe mispronounce this type of, um, parasite, but it's a mermithid, I believe is the name of it. Wow. Um, okay. I was just going to say nematode, so, but you took it to a whole other level there. It is. No, it is a, I believe, yeah, related to nematode. That's the, again, uh, my friend Wikipedia was very generous in giving me links to read about this. Uh, so this is how it works. This is, why was this thing inside of a spider? You might be wondering. Good question. <laughs> I certainly was. Uh, because once it's, you, once you've seen it, you're kind of like, okay, how did that happen? Like, I'm horrified, but still, please tell me more. Um, so this thing, the, the worm, it lays eggs in the water, and then typically insects will eat those eggs. And the worm, like, starts its reproductive cycle again. So the eggs, like, hatch inside of the other insects, but then they go dormant. So they just, you know, the other insects walk around doing insect business and mm -hmm. kind of don't, it's fine. They, it doesn't hurt them. But then when a spider eats the insect, the worm grows to a horrifying size inside of the spider and then bores out of the spider, which kills the spider. Um, there's more information linked from the, the story from the IFL science story. Uh, but this is, I was not happy to learn that I lived on a planet where this was happening somewhere. Well, Even though Australia's, it's in Australia, about yeah. as far away from here as you could possibly get, that's still too close. Did I mention we're doing a field trip to Australia in uh, in next March, where you could actually pet one of these spiders if you wanted to, and make friends with a worm? I mean, uh, you could you could uh, you could name one. So yeah, you should probably watch the video. Well, all right, you shouldn't watch the video. But, Nobody um, should watch it. <laughs> it it's should. a very visceral thing to watch, and I will, I will describe it in a metaphor for a common 
commonly known thing, which is the scene from Alien. In yeah. Which the yeah. gentleman uh, has a chest burster, as it's called, come out of his chest. Imagine that, except imagine that the chest burster is an anaconda 30 feet long. <laughs> like, you actually have to try to do some geometry to figure out how that large object could have fit in that small one. Uh, it's, a, it's opening a can of nuts and having the snake jump out. I thought you were going to say a can of worms. I was like, ah, uh, uh, don't nope. do it! Opening a can of worms. All right, but now I am going to open yes. a can of worms. Really? Why? Why is this image... I am not a, uh, a somebody who's super phobic about spiders, and yet this image bothers me. Why? What is so bad about this? What is worse about this than running over a squirrel? Parasites. I think that's what it is. Yeah, well, I think it's because there's a, it's a parasite, and parasites are inherently disgusting to us. I think. And, and they probably should be. I mean, parasites are... A, they're still a huge danger. Uh, they're still, they kill millions of people every year. I mean, malaria is a parasite. You know what it could almost be, too, is you, and I hesitate to say this, feeling as I do about spiders, it's almost like when you're watching it, you sort of start to feel <laughs> empathy for the spider. You sort of go like, oh, no, that's not, it was one thing when that guy was spraying you with toxic chemicals, but that worm, that is not okay. It's like when the bad guy in the movie has something happened to him that you would never want to happen to anyone, and you have to feel sympathy for the guy that killed all everyone's parents in the movie. Yes. I thought yeah. I wanted to see this happen to this person, but now I do not want to see it, actually, it turns out. So I have a, this is a, it, no one has actually put this in the DSM yet, but I have a phobia that is called trypophobia, which is T-R-Y-P-O-phobia, trypophobia. Have you heard Interesting. of this? Interesting. No. I have a very, very strong visceral reaction to pictures and objects that have a bunch of little holes. <gasps> no, you know what? I have heard of this. I know yeah. somebody else who has the same thing. And it's... It is a difficult thing for me to even talk about. Now, I, I had to Google it to look up the name, trypophobia, because I couldn't remember it. And I did that with great trepidation. Because <laughs> what do you think all the bleep who put up the definitions of this do? They put an example. Sure. Well, for people like me, I do not well, have yeah. this phobia, and I, I don't know what it is. If somebody were to tell me about it, then I might be like, well, what do you mean? And then they show me a picture to illustrate uh, what, what they mean by it exactly. So how did you find out that you had this? I mean, you knew that you did it. not like it. But I've, Ever since I was a kid, my, my earliest memory of this was I was walking by, um, I, so I grew up in Massachusetts in Salem, snowy place. I was walking by some rotten snow. It was basically a rotten snowbank, mm -hmm. and there was sand and gravel in it, and it had gotten to that stage where it was just dirty snow, and, and parts of it had melted, and parts of it wouldn't, and hadn't, and so the texture disturbed me, and I, I, I choose that word very carefully. It was a disturbing experience. I had to crush it. I couldn't huh. be there with that texture. And um, and now there's all these pictures. And the classic picture is a it's a magnolia seed pod that somebody photoshopped onto a woman's breast. And then have you seen this? And it looks like there's larva yes. coming out. I that's, saw it on Snopes. Yes. Well, that's the, and it's fake, thankfully. But that's the classic image that triggers this for most people. 
That does it for me mildly. The one that does it for me the most, and I don't actually, it, it was from a Photoshop contest, so it's not real, but it's a finger with a mouth at the end with little tiny sharp teeth. And hmm. it's open, so it has a giant throat. Now, describing it that way doesn't bother me because that wasn't how I saw it. To me, it looked like a finger that someone had taken a soldering iron and stuck in long ways all the way down someone's oh, finger. And I was yes. actually looking at the burnt flesh that was left behind. I see. And the, for folks who aren't phobic, um, you have to understand that there is no self-control. There is no decision, no choice being made in these reactions. It is visceral. It is, And for me, seeing that picture at one time would change my personality for a few hours. I would oh, become wow. a different person for a few hours. Very dissociative, very shut down. Um, I couldn't watch TV or do anything. I just had to like go away. So how did you find out that this was not only you, but a thing that other people also experienced? Somebody, there was an article in somewhere, and I was, and, and of course there's pictures right. in the article, so instantly so cool. I have this reaction, but then, uh, you know, I, I actually turned off pictures in the browser and read the article, and it turns out enough people have this that it's got its own Wikipedia entry, um, and it's trypophobia, and uh, it is not recognized, no one, no, one's ever got, no one has ever written this up, but enough people have it that there's something going on here, and um, who knows? I mean, why are people afraid of anything? I don't know. But anyway, I hope you that, don't suffer from this. Strangely, that is not the strangest and most specific phobia that I have ever heard of. Uh, I had a college roommate, who I think would not mind me telling this story, uh, who had an extremely specific fear, and this is what the fear was. This is how she would say it. She said uh, she was afraid that she would walk past a fish tank, or a fishbowl, or whatever, and that a fish would jump out of it and land on the floor, and she would step on it. Now, okay, so... <laughs> you if, may have questions. I we do, did. but... So, and what I know about phobias, I mean, in dogs, dogs have phobias. You know, some dogs are afraid of thunder. Mm -hmm. um, and it's usually because something bad happened to the dog. Like, they had their tail stepped on. You know, it doesn't have to be something horrible. <laughs> while there was thunder happening, and they've associated right. the sound of thunder with pain. Yes. And, and you know, so that's actually rational. It's at least reasonable. So I am going to surmise that for this person who is suffering from this condition, that they had a similar incident with a goldfish. Like they walked into a room and stepped on a goldfish. What an excellent guess. And that was my other roommate and I, that was our first question as well. We were like, well, did you have a traumatic fish stepping experience <laughs> yeah. at some point in your life? And she said, no. And we were like, well, well, when, I mean, how did this, when did you, and she was just like, I just have always, I've always really been upset by this idea. And, and then my other roommate and I, who were kind of laughing, kind of insensitively, mm -hmm. we were like, well, well, how, how, when has that ever happened to anybody in all of human history? Like, that is such a specific chain of events. Like, how, how would that even, like, register as a thing that could happen to you? And she said very somberly, she said, it happened to my sister-in-law once. Oh. And then we all left. Although it was... It was not. It was after. It wasn't like, this is what's so funny. It wasn't like 
It happened to her sister-in-law and her sister-in-law told her about it. And then she was like, oh my God, I hope that never happens to me. It was just, she already had the phobia. And then when it happened, her sister-in-law was like, it's so crazy that this just happened to me, given your fear that I know about. And so she told her about it. It was very, very strange. The And this person is from Western Michigan, where um, Meyer, the grocery store chain, mm-hmm. uh, originated. And she was, she told me a year or two after graduating college, she had been at her local Meyer store and they had rearranged the entire store so that you had to walk past the fish tanks every time you walked into the <laughs> store. And I was like, clearly they did that just for you. You know, this was in the movie Kill Bill, Volume 2. What was? The goldfish being stepped on. Really? Yes. I don't remember that. Well, the story is told by Bill to the little girl near the end of the story. Uh, I don't know what to make of this. That is a very specific phobia, but since I have my own phobia, it's very easy for me to understand how difficult it is. Um, and, and, And I also can see how easy it is to just dismiss somebody else's phobia because it seems ridiculous, but it's not to them. Oh, no. And I'm, I am anxious. I come from a long line of anxious people, which means for me, basically anything can become a phobia at any time. Like if something just anything can send me into a tailspin of anxiety, which is the same idea. It's just the same sort of like dread and you, you can't, it's hard to explain it, but I feel when you were talking about how that picture made you feel, it was Mm -hmm. the same sort of thing happens where you just, something happens and then you're out for a few hours. It's, it's, it's like, it's like you can be controlled by this. There, you know, anyone who wants to capture me and torture me, and you can hold my eyes <laughs> with toothpicks and show me these pictures, and I don't know what will happen, but I won't be there. Right. Yeah, you just dissociate forever. <sighs> it's your version of the, the punishment in uh, 1984 with the, the guy who was <laughs> afraid of rats. Right. There's Although, another excellent piece of literature for anyone listening, if you haven't read it. Yes, it's really, uh, no, no spoilers, but there are some rats. Um, yeah, human and literal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's a rather bothering scene. Yeah, it is pretty bad. Most people know, most people have seen torture chamber things in museums, you know, like the Iron Maiden and thumbscrews and all that. Mm-hmm. Most of those things are fake. They were never actually used. They were done to, you know, for shock value in the 1800s. Uh, because it doesn't make any sense. An Iron Maiden is a torture device. It's going to kill somebody instantly. What? what right, yeah, that? you'd be, that wouldn't last too long. Because that's the one where the spikes shove through your body, right? It's just the big spikes, and they close it on you? You're you're put in a closet full of spikes. When they shut the door, your body's riddled with spikes. And that's a torture device? No, that's just your dead. That's an execution device. But they had this other one that was a little disturbing, and that was, imagine this. They take a cage, and they put it on your chest, and they remove the floor of the cage. So whatever's in the cage, actually, they put it over your belly. Whatever's in the cage is now on your belly, but can't go anywhere. Right. All right. And then they put another cage, or more like a pan, on top of that cage. And you're you're lying on your back. Mm -hmm. And it's full of hot coals. Oh. And what this does is it makes whatever's in the cage want to get out of that cage a lot. Yes. And if it's a rat, it's going to dig its way out. Right. Yes, I saw where this was going very quickly. Yeah, you are a lot softer than bars. <laughs> and that that was fairly disturbing to me. That was um now so so this is an interesting thing. The reaction I have to that is less strong 
<laughs> reaction I have to those stupid pictures. And yet, that is reasonably something to be afraid of. Well, I mean, reasonably. It's not like you're in any danger of somebody just going to... It seems pretty unlikely to me that that would happen to you. Well, now that Whereas... the podcast outs, who knows? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, right, it, it isn't... It isn't a reason to lock your doors and never go outside the house kind of reasonable, but that is actually a deadly, dangerous situation, as unlikely as it may be, whereas this picture of uh, a magnolia seed pod is completely harmless, but it has a stronger reaction. Mm, Anyway, Hmm. it's a deep rabbit hole. Sometimes it's dark and scary. That's curiosity. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta take the, you have to take the pictures of, a uh, bunch of little holes with the, uh, you know, the cosmos. And uh, there's no, you know, you got to take the spiders boring, or the, the worms boring their way out of spiders uh, with the kittens in a basket. It's all part of the same thing. It's it's a joy. This is the universe's way of knowing itself. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sometimes I would much rather be a computer. But I don't yeah, if you, were, if you were a computer, what, what would you do during the day? You just kind of hang out. Doing math problems? Yeah. That's... Well, you know, it's, that's what we talked about in the last podcast, and I know the way these overlapped, you haven't had a chance to hear it, but the question was that, that Martin proposed was, what if everyone had everything they needed, Maslow's hierarchy of needs was completely met, and there was no risk of it going away? What would people do? So let me ask you that question. If you had all the money you could ever want for your own personal needs, and, you know, don't get into charity and stuff because that, that sure, ruins right. it. You and everyone else has all the money they need. You're always going to be well-fed. You're always going to have all the health care you need. You don't actually need to be employed. What would you do with your life? Man, I think I would spend a lot of time learning new stuff. I would want to learn some languages and maybe uh, some calculus more than I know now. Um, okay. No, no. I actually don't think it would be masochistic because you could do it at your own pace. Oh, you that's could, true. You could do it until you understand it, and then it's not so hard. Uh, you wouldn't have to sit in a lecture hall with a bunch of smug calculus majors, you know, so like falling, yeah. yeah, falling asleep in the back and then correcting the teacher. You don't have to do that. <laughs> you can just learn it yourself. Yeah, I think, you know what else I would do though? I, I always had, um, the idea that if I could, at least for a while, if I had all of the money, uh, I would travel around the world and pop up um, uh, a little stand in cities wherever I ended up and just give away baked goods for free just until they were gone, just in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, just go go to a place uh, where people go to work, so there's a lot of foot traffic, set up a stand and just distribute uh, freshly baked, I don't know, cookies or brownies or whatever, just to passersby. And yeah, you wouldn't want to stay in the same place for too long because... <laughs> You don't want people poison. to. Well, no, no. You don't want people to get used to you being there and expect you to be. There. It has to be a surprise. That's the sort of part of it. So you're just sort of surprising people, and some people would look at you and be like, "What is this? Are these poisoned?" And you'd be like, "No, no, no. They're fine. Just, uh, just a gift for you. And hope you have a nice day." Because I think <laughs> it would be nice to a do something act like of that. Kindness. Well, having yeah. heard, having had your baked goods, I am in favor of this plan. I think it's an excellent <laughs> idea. I, I actually like the ideas of, of random kindness. A- at the conference, they gave us lays, real lays. I mean, they were flowers. It turns out that the, they don't grow the flowers in Hawaii anymore. That's another story. But I reluctantly took the lays, and my partner who's here with me, business partner, he took his lay, and he's like, I don't want this thing. You take it. And so I'm walking back to the hotel room, and I've got two lays. After several people making jokes about getting laid, 
Right, uh, I was waiting for that. I just Vegas. I didn't want to say anything, but yeah. I was waiting. So you can't just keep saying it without bringing up. But I go the into joke. the casino uh, where I'm staying. I'm at Bally's, and I've got two lays, and I don't want them. What am I going to do with them? And I see some kids because it's Vegas. There are kids in all the casinos. I don't know why. And then, so I go to give the flowers to this little girl. I don't think she spoke English. She was Asian of some sort. And my motivations are completely pure here. I am just like, hey, I am not going to enjoy these, but that little girl might like some random flowers appearing from nowhere. Uh-huh. And I would have given them to a little boy if that was who there, who was there. But um, I held them out, and she didn't take them. And her mother was right there. I mean, this wasn't a little kid alone. And the mother looked at me, and that's when I realized I didn't speak English. And there was no uh-huh. way for us to communicate. So I did something that I find creepy. <laughs> okay. I held the flowers a little bit closer and nodded. Oh, that is creepy. And she oh no. Them. Oh no. <laughs> and that it uh, and, and okay. then I walked away, you know, I, I but afterwards I was thinking, holy cow. I just totally <laughs> empowered that position. I just used whatever privilege and power I have to force that little girl to take those flowers. I mean, without <laughs> actually any force. But it was it was a little disturbing to me that I knew what to do to get that little girl to do what I wanted her to do. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, th- this is obviously completely innocent, but it was still a little uneasy. <laughs> yeah, That is what I was waiting for. I thought, like, I was kind of, I, th- I thought that story was going to go a different way. I thought that, like, the girl's mother was just going to hit you with a briefcase or something. Yeah. Because it does, it's, it is too bad. It uh, is. But it is one of those things where, I mean, yeah, if I was a kid in any public place and a strange man had offered me something and one of my parents was there, mm-hmm. there is no way that would have gone down. Like, I would not have been allowed to take it or, you know, I wouldn't have, I probably would have... I don't know. I, me as a kid, I, I wasn't terribly scared of people as a kid, but certainly like if my dad had been there, it just would have been a disaster. It would have been, yeah. no, like, and I would have been shuffled off to another place. Yeah. I was tired and was just trying to get back to my room and get rid of these flowers. I did not have a lot of time or motivation to think about the situation, but, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thought is that it's not safe to do random acts of kindness. I mean, you have to think about a whole lot of context and you may miss something. Right. And you may actually be doing harm even though your motivation is to do kindness. And unfortunately, I think that leads us to be less kind. That is possible. Yeah, people don't know. I've certainly been in situations like that where I didn't know where I wanted to help somebody, but I wasn't sure if if they wanted or needed my help. Mm-hmm. There's a guy and um, he would hang out on the sidewalk and I'll explain what I mean by that near where I used to work, uh, just sort of in front, just on the main, you know, kind of city sidewalk. And he was on one of those um, scooter things that people get for if you have trouble walking, like yeah. it's a sort of Medicaid scooter, like, mm-hmm. you know, and this scooter was outfitted with a, a gumball machine. I that, saw him. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I saw so, him. So I don't know what this guy's deal is, but I had never, so I don't th- know if, if you've seen him differently, but whenever I saw him, he would always be just, he would just appear to be completely catatonic. Like I wouldn't right. see him talking to anybody. He would just be limp, just sitting there with this gumball machine. And I don't usually talk to 
people on the street or give money to anybody. I just mm-hmm. headphones and I just go. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I would walk by without feeling too much guilt because I just thought, you know, he's another person who who wants money for something. Maybe I'm supposed to buy a gumball to support him or a foundation or something like that. But I never asked about it because I wasn't going to buy one. So I just was like, it's better if I don't go over. But one day I was on my lunch break and I saw this guy and his chair on the scooter was tilted really far back, like very, very dangerously far back. Like in a, if it wasn't attached to the thing... I would have been worried that it was going to tip backwards and he would fall over. And the gumball machine is attached to the same mechanism that the seat is attached to. So the gumball machine is also tilted back at this weird angle. And he's not, again, he looks, it just, his face is just completely blank. Like he's not, he doesn't look distressed. Uh, he doesn't look like he's in trouble, but then how would you know? Right. And, and I remember thinking, I mean, maybe he needs somebody to help him. Like maybe a, like the, the controls malfunctioned or something. And he, cause why would anybody sit like that? Like right. it just didn't make any sense. But then I didn't because I thought, well, what if he just is sitting like that on purpose? And then I go up all like, Oh, do you need some help? And then I find out he's like completely with it and doesn't need me, doesn't need my pity or sympathy or anything. Right. And I was like, oh, like, should I do something? I don't know. But I ended up not doing it because I was, I was afraid I would offend. Cause I mean, he's, he rides this thing every day. Like, presumably he has some idea how to work it. Yep. So I just didn't, I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't cause I don't want to, I don't want to assume anything about his like intelligence or capabilities to do whatever he does. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure that happens all the time. We, we're afraid to help people because we might offend them. And that is a weird, that is a bad reason. I'm going to tell, that's my future self. This happens again. <laughs> it is stupid to not offer to help somebody because you don't want to offend them. And, and also it's a fear of your own embarrassment. I mean, it, it, that's, the, that's the result. If you offend somebody, you're embarrassed. So that's your personal cost. And it, right. for me, it would be hard for me to tell, am I being selfish because I don't want to be embarrassed or am I being kind because I don't want to be offensive? Right. I don't know. I mean, I would have a hard time figuring that out. I actually like gumballs. I, mean, <laughs> I, I get excited by gumball machines, and I would totally, if I knew the situation, if this guy was, yeah, he's, he's tooling around town on his thing, and he's got a gumball machine, and he wants people to buy gumballs, I would buy a gumball every single time I saw him. But... I didn't know what the story was, and right. I don't actually know. Maybe he just, maybe that's his thing. It's his pet gumball machine. I, I, I just don't know. So, or, sadly, or the I other mean, little piece that you have to also allow for, unfortunately, is, is it a scam? Like, is yes. he fine and just collecting money from people who don't know any better? Which is a thing you have to wonder about when you live in a big city. It is. I don't go out as often as I'd like to because I come back feeling very conflicted about not having given money to the literally 12 people who have asked me by the time I I left and come back. And I know they're not all honest. And then I have the conflict, oh, well, maybe one of them was. Is it fair that that person shouldn't get the donation because the other people are scammers? And then I end up in the spiral and I get in the fetal position and don't leave (laughs) for a few days. This might make you feel better. I knew uh, there was somebody who who um, was a, a student at a place where I used to work who started a – he 
without giving in too many details, he started this um, organization. It's like a microfinance organization. So it was um, small loans to people who are very poor and then also training to help them use what they learned to to sort of get themselves out of poverty. And it was in a very poverty-stricken part of the world. And I was talking to him about it once and he said every day he would be, you know, on his way to go train a group of people and how to use the stuff that they they got. And he would pass by tons of people in the street, children, like people just begging for money. And he said, even he, even he felt bad. Like he's he's basically devoted his life to helping people get out of poverty in like a really measurable way. But he also was like, oh, these people, like, it is hard for me to not help them. But I, if I helped them every day, I would not have any money. And then I would not have this organization and no, none of these other people would get help. It's really weird. It is. It's so, and I struggle with it all the time. I've written articles about it. I, I, uh, I had a terrible experience with a guy. A guy asked me for food at a gas station. He didn't ask me for money. He asked me for food. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, how can this go wrong? Mm-hmm. But he was weird. He kept saying, he, uh, it's a gas station, he wanted to pump the gas. And I thought uh. he was trying to repay me, but, you know, I wouldn't let him. I was like, no, 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 sorry, I'll do it. But as soon as I was done pumping the gas, I went over to the pump. He grabbed the handle of the gas pump. Uh, you know, I went over to the machine, he grabbed the handle, and I didn't understand why. And then he hung it up and closed the cap and everything. I thought, well, he's, he's insistent upon being helpful. I don't know. I go inside, I get the food. When I come out, he's being arrested. Oh, there's no soliciting at the gas station. He saw the cops watching him, and he was trying to pretend it was his car. That's why he wanted to pump the gas. Oh. But he wanted the food, so he was willing to take the risk. So I came out, and I, I walked right over to the police officers. And I was like, hey, what's going on? I, I was emboldened for some reason. And uh, they said, uh, well, there's no, did this man ask you for money? And I said, no. And he said, did he, did he ask you for food? And they said, well, he's not allowed to do that. We're writing him a ticket. And I said, I said, are you going to feed him? And they said, no, we don't do that. And I just, you know, it's like one of those perfect moments. The police <laughs> are giving the homeless man a ticket because right. he was hungry. Right. You know, so I said, am I allowed to give him the food? And they said, oh, yeah, sure. And so I, so I gave him the food and I opened my wallet and took out a 20 and um, I had a Metro pass, uh, an L pass, which they don't have anymore, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I threw that in there too. And, uh, and I apologized to the homeless guy because I felt like I was responsible for him getting that ticket, which probably doesn't mean anything to him because he doesn't have any money. But it was such a weird dynamic where it was a, such a simple transaction. A hungry man, I'm going to go buy him food. And it turned into someone getting written up, getting a ticket, and being detained. Right. That it honestly, it makes me want to leave the city and go back and live in the woods. <laughs> Because it's not that I, I don't have any judgment here. I just don't know how to deal with it. You do develop a different set of, of behaviors living in the city. If you lived in the woods and somebody was sleeping outside, like you would probably do a lot more for that person right. than yep. <laughs> when you see people sleeping on the street all the time in the city. I think that there is it is so easy, as a like as I said, as a person who comes from a long line of anxious people, I think the solution to... Some of this stuff, I mean, obviously, I don't know how to solve most of these problems. Like, I don't know what to do about the guy and his gumball machine. I don't know how to live in a world where people don't have to sleep outside if they don't want to. If I feel like for everybody, if everybody just does the thing that they can do to make them 
the world a little bit nicer of a place, then that's a start. Some, yeah. some of those people know how to, like that guy, they can start their own organization and help some people. Mm-hmm. And other people can teach people about worms that eat their way out of spiders um, on the internet. It's, we all, it takes all of us to make the world go it around. It takes a village. Oh, no, that's a different thing. That's a, yeah. When actually it doesn't take any of us to make the world, the world will go around completely without us. Yeah, the world uh, really does not care. But it's, <laughs> it's the thought that counts. It's the, it's, uh, it was a nice story before they understood about the world. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Aubrey, for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone. I, I feel like I learned a lot today. That's excellent. And if you would like to learn more, we will have links to such in the show notes, including links to some horrific videos and pictures. And yes, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. I'm actually going to make the effort to put links to the things with the little holes in them. Ugh. Ooh. Yeah, don't watch that video, though, you guys, really. Yeah, it, it'll be clearly marked, do not watch this, which will <laughs> make everybody click on it. That's how we are. So, thanks, guys. Until next time, I'm Jeff Wegg of the College of Curiosity, and... I'm Aubrey Henready of, of the Internet. A mysterious, cool place. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. Tom will be back next week, as will I, with more curious stuff. Show notes are available at collegeofcuriosity.com, and to check out the Whip Theater, visit thewhiptheater.com. See you next time. <laughs>